This issue of the Sunspots Comics Podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Cryptid Zoo at cryptidzoo.com. Cryptid Zoo is basically a t-shirt line that's uniquely and strangely infused with augmented reality, and it's inspired by cryptozoology folklore figures like the Bigfoot. All the shirts are designed and hand screen printed on 100% cotton pre-shrunk t-shirts by the artist and owner of Cryptid Zoo, our friend Julian Meyer. You gotta see it. You hover your smartphone over the shirt and it does stuff on the screen. It's pretty crazy. It just comes to life. You gotta see it. So please check out cryptidzoo.com and also use the promotional code Sunspots Comics. That's right, and you'll get 30% off your purchase. Most of the Cryptid Zoo shirts are about 27 bucks. So it's a great deal, and that's with tax and shipping included before the discount. So don't forget, use Sunspots Comics as your promo code on cryptidzoo.com and you'll get a big discount. And that is C-R-Y-P-T-I-D-Zoo.com. People of Earth, how are you? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. You are listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 120, covering all the new comic books that came out this last Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, August 16th right on your calendar and this particular podcast actually wears the blue lantern ring that is fueled by hope i am your street level superhero superpowered host crystal tory hello thank you so much for joining us right here on the sunspots comics podcast and i hope all is well with you yes so good stuff and here on the sunspots comics podcast we recommend review and discuss the best of the new comic books that came out this week And we sprinkle in, of course, some other comic book fun stuffs, of course. This podcast really is about me spreading my love of comic books in my own positively charged way. So if you want to know what the best comic books are that just came out and you want to save some time and some cash and buy just the best of the best comic books, then this here Sunspots Comics podcast is definitely for you. And uh, please tell a nerd friend. They'll be uh, impressed that you're like, whoa. There's a podcast about new comic books, and I've been thinking about getting some new comics, so it's perfect! And please never miss an issue of the Sunspots Comics Podcast just by subscribing to us, and of course, following along on all the social medias, the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube, at Sunspots Comics. That's right, only one thing you gotta use there, at Sunspots Comics. And two fast thank yous, just of course thank you to the dude that's always singing our theme song, it's Nick Papa George. Thank you so much for, for just creating that and pulling it out of your brain and beautifully singing it in such harmonious melodies. Nick Papa George, yes, my good friend. Please follow him on Facebook.com slash Nicholas Dell Music. And also just wanted to make a quick little announcement at the top of the show here and a thank you to my son, Justin Jables Latori. He actually does our blog, but he hasn't been doing a lot of it lately. Uh, which is at blog.sunspotscomics.com because he's gearing up his own podcast. Yes, the Sunspots Comics universe is expanding a little bit and it's going to be called Sunspots Scene Podcast. It's going to be him primarily. I think he's going to have some guests, a couple of buddies of his. He's still kind of formulating the finality of it, but he's working on it just being primarily of the TV, movie, and whatever sort of entertainment fun things that he sees and he wants to discuss them and talk about them, but it's primarily for him in the TV and movie field. 
so he can discuss what he sees and looks at, etc., and give his opinion on that stuff. So it's going to be coming on the feed very soon. Again, it's called Sunspots Scene Podcast, hosted by my son, Jables. And please check him out at Just Sunspots on the interwebs. You can check his stuff out. And there's still some blogs there on our site, blog.sunspotscomics.com, that he and myself wrote. So go and check that out. And right now, it's free comic book time. Yes, this is a continuation from Podcast uh, 119, where I'm giving away two copies of the Image Comic Book Saga, issue number 43. Yes, two issues for you. And they're paper, not digital. These are actual paper comics I'm going to just mail out to you. I do have some submissions, but I wanted a few more before I went ahead and made my selection. And it's a super, super duper easy contest. All you got to do to win these is just write in to my email over at chris at sunspotscomics.com and just basically tell me briefly what your favorite comic book is that you're currently reading and why. And I'm just going to pick a a winner at random and mail out two issues of Saga 43. Just one for yourself and one to like pay forward with a nerd friend that you love. I mean, Saga is a multiple Eisner winner and other award-winning comic. It's written by Brian K. Vaughn, art by Fiona Staples, which her art is just simple and gorgeous and subtle and very pretty to look at. Also, by the way, issue number 43 of Saga that I'm giving out for free is a great jumping on point. To give you a gist, Saga goes western. Alana and Marco are two primary characters. They're in search of a place to have a late-term abortion done. Yes, for their deceased unborn child. And that's just a little bit of the madness that is Saga. And of course, the story is always told by their just beautiful, humorous, sweet, adorable daughter, Hazel. And she is somewhere in the in the far off future. We don't really know how old she is. She could be 90 telling the story of Saga, for all we know. I just thought of that the other day. But it's a great place to jump on, Saga 43. So I'm going to give you out two free issues, uh, two paper ones, to your home. I'm going to mail it to you. Just, of course, give me your name and address and what your favorite current comic book is that you're reading and why. And I'll select a winner at random, and I'll mail it out very, very soon. So, And maybe I'll throw in some bonus comics. Who knows? I'll reach into the grab bag, grab some comic books, and just send them to you along with Saga, two issues of Saga 43. So good luck. I want to give out some comic books. Just hit me up again. Email me, chris at sunspotscomics.com. So let's get into the my favorite, the meat and potatoes, my favorite part of the Sunspots Comics podcast. Issue number 120, starting out with some stuff floating around in my nerd brain. That's right, and the largest nugget of nerd that's always lodged in there is some comic book movie and TV news. Thanks, of course, to mostly the sources I go to are The Hollywood Reporter and The LA Times, for the most part. I float around and look at other things, too, but I just always like to give them a props and thank you because their articles are great, meaty, and right to the point and seem very well sourced. But, you know, who knows? (laughs) But anyway, thanks to Hollywood Reporter and the LA Times. But the first thing coming up is Marvel's The Defenders. Season 1 is now available on Netflix. The whole eight issues are there. You can binge it. Go nuts. And I wanted to give my little take on it quickly. I watched just episode 1. And really without spoiling it, so no worries. I'm not going to really just uh, blow the whole thing for you. But I just watched the first episode. It ultimately shows us where the four characters left off from doing their own shows, their, the finishings of their seasons. So it just kind of gives us a, a little snapshot as to what they're doing now and how their lives have kind of moved on since their prospective seasons they had on their own. And they're definitely far apart from each other. You can see this is sort of building the tension and building the suspense towards them coming together eventually. 
so we're just getting introduced to stuff it's just starting out and a little bit slow but i i mean don't expect a lot of action or tights <laughs> or masks which sadly i mean in my opinion personally i want all four of them just donning masks and, co and costumes and uh, from what I've read, though, we're not going to see that. But anyway, <laughs> um, I'm definitely ready to watch some more. I definitely recommend this. Go and really, if you, I think, honestly, from what I've read in reviews, you really don't even have to have seen the 74 episodes of the four of them and all their, their own shows. You can really just kind of jump into this and enjoy it from reviews I've seen that from people that have watched the entire thing. So don't get just so hung up on, oh, I didn't watch Daredevil Season 1 and 2. I didn't watch Jessica Jones. I didn't watch Iron Fist. I didn't watch Luke Cage. You know, 13 plus 13 plus 20. I mean, just add it up. That's, you know, 198 hours of time. Don't get so worried. Just jump in. Watch Defenders. I think you'll be fine. Maybe it'll you'll go back and be inspired to go back and watch all the rest of those if you got that kind of time and you're a, you're a just platinum level binge watching person so go for it but i definitely recommend it defenders netflix good stuff i'm in i'm ready to watch some more and the second topic uh in the movie news well this is primarily uh just general movie news not comic book movies but this franchise does make comic books and that is star wars star wars spinoffs specifically boy there was a lot of news a lot of chatter a lot of buzz going on this week about a ton of Spin-off movies that they've announced are in development? They are... I mean, I hate to count them in for sure until they get a lot closer because I'm sure this is just talks and development, but it seems pretty from 7 to 12 article headlines and so on that I've said and, and looked into that these are ready to go. So, I mean, we know that the Han Solo spin-off movie is set for May 25th, 2018, but behind that, in this potential order, this is all just TBD... Uh, Boba Fett has his own spin-off movie in development. Obi-Wan Kenobi, thumbs up, I'm happy for that. Jabba the Hutt? Yeah, that's right, spin-off. I mean, so, you know, in the comic they have a hut that's attached to multiple robotic legs, so there's a lot more movement, but if, uh, if we're just going to focus around a hut that's just kind of sitting there, how's that going to work? But anyway, maybe when they're younger they walk around, they get older and they turn into giant greasy slugs, but who knows. And Yoda... All in development. A Yoda film? I think I'm most excited about that. Just because, going back to uh, the comic, the current comic, Star Wars issue, I think, 25, was where Yoda has like a little side story where Luke finds Yoda's journal, and he gets to sort of, you know, they relive, they flash back some of Yoda's adventures. And I just love the visuals of it. I just love this sort of lone character Yoda kind of walking the galaxy, trying to do good wherever he goes. So I'm in on that, and I really hope that is a solid in development and not just a, they're in talks. But uh, <laughs> I'm super excited for the most part. I mean, uh, they're going to show a lot more movies. We're going to get a lot more content. Hmm. Uh, will they oversaturate the market with Star Wars movies? Hmm. Difficult to see. Always in motion, the future is. Anyway, <laughs> who knows, but... I always take the approach of hope. That's right, as always. I mean, something's better than nothing, right? I mean, we just want them to all be good. I mean, bring it on. Episode 7 and Rogue One were amazing. Purchases, buys, uh, five stars easily. So keep going with that, uh, Disney. So I, if you do, I think uh, you'll be successful and we'll all be happy. And my goodness, the expansion of the Star Wars universe really sounds good right now. I mean... Uh, 
my mind is open, Master Yoda. <laughs> so bring him to me. And the second thing, uh, move that that basically uh, uh, wraps that part up. But going back to uh, comic book movie news uh, and TV news is uh, Marvel in Marvels and Humans. This has been on my brain. Um, I've had a couple of podcast fans that have been asking me to give my take on the Marvel and Humans and what the situation there is. Episode one and two are going to be in theaters uh, September first in IMAX, and then the whole eight episode miniseries will air on ABC sometime in the fall. Doesn't look like they have a hardline date yet, but I could be wrong on that, but it's going to be in the fall, so sometime, who knows, September, October, like all the other TV shows. But uh, at first, so here's my opinion on it. At first, I was very super gung-ho excited about this. I thought, wow, something different. Uh, this will be in IMAX. It'll be in the theaters. Uh, it'll be about an hour and a half each episode. Two of them in IMAX. And then I saw the trailer, <laughs> Two Inhumans, and uh, well, it you know it 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 uh, shot me down a little bit, and it definitely has this look and feel of like a low budget TV show that was made eight years ago. <laughs> I mean, we're in a renaissance of television, so it feels like a TV show made a while back for some reason. Um, I'm sh- for sure gonna watch this on television when it comes out on September 1st, but I'm not quite sure if I'm gonna fork out. The $18.99 plus potential fees on Fandango to buy IMAX tickets to go see the Inhumans in the theater. I'm not sure. So I'm going to kind of tentatively wait on that part of it to see if it just, the reviews are just insane and blown up and there's mega hype and it's super good. I might fork out the 19 bucks to go see it in IMAX in the theater. But if not, I am for sure going to tune in September 1st and check out the Inhumans and see what that's all about. One particular character in there I'm, I'm kind of excited to see is Karnak. The last issues of the comic, the little miniseries they did, were phenomenal. Uh, the one they're showing in the in the in the trailer looks nothing like the Karnak in the comic, not even close. Um, but I'm all in. I'm I'm excited about Inhumans, and we'll see. Uh, I'll keep you posted on that as we get closer uh, to September 1st. And that basically closes the comic book movie and TV news. But also in my nerd brain is Long Beach Comic Con is coming up real soon here. September 2nd and 3rd. Uh, looks like it's a Saturday and Sunday. And man, there's a ton of stuff coming out uh, that are, they're going to be premiering in Long Beach Comic Con. It's It's been slowly becoming one of my favorite cons of the year. I usually go to San Diego Comic Con every five to seven years. And I go to all the small ones pretty much every year. And Long Beach Comic Con has been, every every year it's getting just a little bit better. A little bit better. I like the fact that uh, they just kind of try to mix it up and have a diverse uh, kind of just pile of things that are happening. Right off the bat, Tony Harris is going to be there. He's the co-creator of Starman, uh, X Machina, to name a few. He's, he's done art on Doctor Strange. Uh, Tony Harris is one of my favorite. I'm going to definitely jump in the long line. I'm expecting to see Tony Harris in. Uh, and this is all in no particular order, just the things I'm excited about. There's over a hundred different panels that are offered for attendees this year. I mean, covering all topics, ranging from comic books to manga to animation to movies to cosplay to even exploring space. I know there's like that NASA space organization that's always there and kind of this mini museum that they set up. So I'm excited about that too. And they even have a super robust artist alley planned this year, which is really where I spend most of my time. I love to find new up-and-coming artists and just independent comics that are coming out there that really jump out and speak to me. I mean, plus the the huge Long Beach Convention Center floor is just gigantic. It's a gigantic space for plenty of shopping if you just like to browse and look at stuff. So 
Long Beach Comic Con, it is coming. It's September 2nd and 3rd. You can still get tickets at longbeachcomiccon.com. So go and check it out. And the last thing that's on my nerd brain is that I'm actually writing this comic book. I'm so humbled to be doing it. It's so much fun. Called Zombie Destroyers. Yes. Yes, yes. And I'm doing the writing and the coloring and the lettering. And my friend Jordan Hudson is doing his amazing, beautiful art. Please check his stuff out at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is beautiful. Makes my eyeballs happy. Thank you for doing the art on Zombie Destroyers for me, Jordan. I just posted pages four and five on sunspotscomics.com. So if you want to see what Zombie Destroyers, the comic book that came out of my brain, looks like, go to sunspotscomics.com and click on Zombie Destroyers. Check out those two pages. They're beautiful. And just a quick Zombie Destroyers update. Jordan just finished page 24. It looks amazing. He's adding a little couple of uh, little unique little finishing touches to it, but it looks fantastic. Page 24 is action-packed. And I'm just kind of finalizing page 25 to submit to him uh, just to give you a little peek a little insider peek it's a it's a little bit of a weapons presentation and some other stuff but uh, we're getting we're gearing up there for the end of the book which is page 32 and I'm hoping to release zombie destroyers issue number one by late this year maybe like October mid to late October in that area so just uh, check out sunspotscomics.com from time to time like I said click on zombie destroyers I'm gonna be adding some additional little splash little peek pages there very very soon and also i just wanted to mention a segment i love on the podcast called spotlighting and if you want to hear just me chit-chatting with professionals with comic book creators in the business that are either doing it or trying to do it and get you know get their work out there just check out uh in the feed you'll see a bunch of interviews i think there's probably a dozen or two different interviews with artists with writers colorists creators and I love having little chit-chats with people that are trying to do it. I'm trying to do it myself and get and break into the comic book industry. So if you yourself are a writer, an artist, a colorist, a letterer, it doesn't matter. Just trying to be in comics or you're in comics and you want to have a, chit, a little positive, nerdy chit-chat with me, just hit me up, send me a review copy of your work, or send me an email to chris at sunspotscomics.com. Or, of course, just message me on all the, all the social media stuff at sunspotscomics. And I've got some lined up. Thank you very much for being there. You know who you are. Uh, we're going to line those up very soon, so you'll see some interviews actually coming up really, really soon with some fantastic creators. They really, um, the ones coming up too are, are creators that I really love, that I, I buy their comics and I, I hit them up and stalk them and ask them if they would take a few minutes to have a nice little nerdy chit-chat here on Sunspots Comics. So tune in for some interviews coming up very, very soon. And now I want to do something I do just every so often. I want to just do a quick comic book origin story. And it's on... The Defenders. That's right. So just give you a little background, just give you a little synapse, little story history of what is The Defenders. So Defenders is, of course, from Marvel Comics. The very first official appearance of the team in the comic called The Defenders was in Marvel Feature Issue Number 1, December of 1971. Yes, way back then. And you'll never guess. Well, maybe you will guess. If you're into comics, you'll maybe know this. But the original team of the Defenders was nothing like the Netflix TV series. You had Namor, Prince Namor, you had the Hulk, you had Doctor Strange. That was your primary core characters in the Defenders, yes. The quote-unquote street level? <laughs> and it was definitely not of that level, it was just kind of Avengers Team 2 back then. I've only read a few, but uh, I'm going to dig back in and look at some of the archives and pull them up. But. Boy, wouldn't it be cool if the Netflix series uh, has just a brief appearance from any of those characters? That would just be amazing. 
But um, man, I would I would love that. But it's had many different uh, teammates. It's had many sort of different looks and artists and writers over the years. I mean, it basically goes from a rotating lineup from 1971 to 1986, where uh, you know things took some turns and creative uh, things changed. And it's just sort of a team that's visited every so often, like the Avengers. It's not a sort of always ongoing continual series. But um, there you go. Just a quick little glimpse into its humble beginnings. And I read something interesting that even the Silver Surfer kind of made some appearances sometimes. And it was back when Stan Lee had dedicated himself to writing every issue of, of Silver Surfer. He was dedicated to that. I, don't, I know that didn't last, but that was something that he wanted to do. And so if you see Silver Surfer make an appearance in those early Guardians or sorry, Defenders, excuse me, uh, you'll know it's uh, you know helmed by the master, Stan the Man Lee. I can't believe he's like 95 years old. I mean, the guy's going to live to be 140. Mark my words. It's going to happen. We're going to see that. <laughs> but anyway, just a quick little origin story there for you of Defenders and its humble humble beginnings. And uh, just, a, just a snapshot of that. And so, now, on to my favorite part of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is our comic book reviews and recommendations, where I pick my favorite comic books that came out New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, August 16th. That's right. So grab a pencil and paper, get ready to write these down. Also, semi-spoilerish alert. I really just don't even touch the last few pages. I might try to hype it up, get you excited about the last two pages. I only pick maybe two or three of the interesting talking points of a comic, so I don't go over all of it in case you're wondering why. Hey, he didn't cover this, and that was pretty awesome. I am not trying to spoil it. I'm really just trying to talk you into going to get these, inspire you, and just get you to get up off your seat and go buy these comics immediately. And also, if you want to see everything that I've been reading... All my favorite picks of the week, everything going back to when I started this podcast in May of 2015, you only got to go to one place, sunspotscomics.com. Just click on pull list to see the current 116 titles that I'm reading. Also click on top comic books of the week and you'll see all of my past top picks. I update the site every single week. I try to keep it compact, keep it simple, keep it just very easy and breezy to look at. It's not so super dense, but I've left those the listings of what I've read and what my top picks are every single week. So please, I'm super proud of it. Just check out sunspotscomics.com. And now, the announcement of this week's comic book artist winner. I always pick an artist winner and a cover artist winner, and they are one in the same person this week. The winner of it all, winning the, the my favorite art, of course art is always subjective, but my, the made my eyeballs most happy is Natasha Alterici, and I apologize if I mispronounced your name. I follow her on everything, check her out on the Instagrams, the Twitters, the Facebooks, etc. at A-L-T-E-R-I-C-I underscore art. And I'll put, of course, a link to her in the show notes, you can just click on that and click it. But for her beautiful art, she won Best Cover and Best Art this week for Heathen issue number five. And Heathen is from Vault Comics, so it's kind of an indie publisher, a little tougher to get. It is available on the Comixology if you have to go that route. Um, I was lucky enough to let my comic book store know in advance that I want some copies of this because I happened to find issue number one, I think, at a con. I, I don't remember, but her art really makes me happy. I mean, she has this way of drawing like very subtle gestures so it's just not not over the top but it's it's very subtle and very accurate and even like the postures of the body that she just such a such a a attention to like a very super accurate style of anatomy and posture uh, in heathen it's just so super well done um she's it's so realistic and it just really draws you in 
and really the I mean the, the sheer spectrum of facial emotions is just staggering that that she has to draw in this and uh, the cover I'll just the, the cover it's it's just this beautiful blue and pink watercoloring and it, it's got also like a unique sort of camera angle or perspective it's like you're the viewer is sitting in the ocean underwater somewhere looking towards the shore so you see that sort of blurred imagery and and sort of fractalization of light and there's our main character Adis and her weird shape-shifting fox friend Ruidan that's sitting there on the shore and you also see that on your right there's these mermaids and one of them is just has this sort of like little smirk this sort of devilish look on its face his or her you're not quite sure but this is just something that's just, it's blue, it's pink, it's dark, it's mysterious. It's something that would hang over my fireplace, like today, if I had a, a giant print of this. It's just simply gorgeous, stunning. And and her art, I mean, like I said, it's the, it's the facial features. I, I Often I gravitate to comic books that just have very minimal dialogue, that really gives the reader time to live in this world that the writers pulled out of their brain and created. And that definitely happens in, he in Heathen issue number five. I think that, that really, I mean, comic books should, they should want, make you want to like imagine you're inside that world. And that's definitely what happens here with Heathen. And there's a lot of just sort of epic landscapes that are laid out that with no dialogue that just give you this sense of how she's alone, but she is, she's very determined in her mission. And it's just this landscapes that are just just sweeping and gorgeous and even some of the interaction she's just very alone and she's trying to find her way in the world and it just gives you time to just chew on this the tapestry that is all this beautiful landscape and i maybe with all the noise of everything going on in the world this just was super nice to just have some quiet moments here but there's a lot of things going on which we'll explain a little bit later um when i review it but easily thank you very so much uh, Natasha Alterici for your beautiful, beautiful art on Heathen, issue number five. Again, check her out at Alterici underscore art. That's A-L-T-E-R-I-C-I underscore art. Heathen number five. Check it out. Gorgeous. And the breakdown. Yes, I actually read 18 comics this, this week. Not too bad. And seven of them made it to the Great Ones comic book recommendation list. So that's not that 50%. I like to be right at 50%, but it wasn't quite there. Still an excellent week of comics, though. And there were no new number ones this week. Kind of strange, but I usually get, you know, sometimes somewhere between three and six new number ones. There were zero this week, which is totally fine. I did see there are some coming out next week. So, let's get into my top comic book recommendations. This are, these are the great ones that came out new comic book day, August 16th. I consider these the best of the best. You can save some time, save some money. Just grab these. And like I said... Um, you really just got to put your eyes on them. They'll make you super happy. Uh, go to a local comic book shop, shop and buy these immediately. So here we go now on to the countdown. And we got seven this week. So coming in at number seven is Image Comics, I Hate Fairyland. This is from Scotty Young with beautiful, crazy animated coloring style from Jean-Francois Belayeux. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. I'm sorry. I'm so American. I apologize. But is the tale of Gert who hates fairyland, who wants to ultimately destroy it with bazookas. She doesn't care if she has to blow up the sun. She has been trapped in fairyland for 30 or 40 years. She's trying to escape. <laughs> this, because there no longer is the true comic that exists in the world, unfortunately, is that comic relief that I always just 
Can't wait to read every single month it comes out. There is a gag on every panel. It ultimately is how Scotty Young wants to sort of destroy Fairyland and how, he, how he's kind of bugged by the goody-two-shoesness of Fairyland, in his opinion. And this just shows, though, that Gert is really... She's been trapped there so long. She's losing her mind a little bit. She decides to kind of take the straight and narrow path and and trying to be more positive and a good person instead of, instead of just murdering everyone that she sees in Fairyland. And she's built this reputation up, of course of being this, uh, this this murderous marauder in the world of Fairyland. And so there's this kingdom preparing for war because they know she's coming and she's she's changed her attitude. Her eyes are changed. She's more like la 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 la, <laughs> trying to be happy and good and they don't understand. I even like that they handed this king of this fortress that's getting ready for war with Gertrude, uh, Valifax. That's right, the sword Valifax uh, from God Country. Love seeing Valifax, and go check out God Country, folks. Uh, amazing comic from Image. But, yeah, the war doesn't really ensue, and she's much more on a pleasant, uh, like I said, la-la-la-la-la trip here. <laughs> her, her crazy sidekick, much like, um, uh, you know, the uh, in Pinocchio, um, her the, the sidekick, um, I'm trying to forget, the cricket. It's like this little flying sort of mosquito that is her sidekick here, and he just can't believe that any of this attitude is going to last, that she's eventually going to go back to her murderous ways. But for now, it's uh, sort of the calm before the storm. But they introduce a new sort of baddie here, this witch that's just hilarious. <laughs> um, cut right out of like a Warner Brothers cartoon, uh, which I love that witch in the Warner Brothers cartoon. Go see those. Go to YouTube. They're there. But is she going to stay all happy-go-lucky? The <laughs> There's only one little, a little sort of semi-spoilery core element that I'll kind of mention, which is... A lollipop changes the very course of everything in this comic. So, insane uh, moment, jaw-dropping sort of ending and fantastically hilarious cliffhanger at the end. Will she be able? Will Gert be able to maintain this happy-go-lucky attitude, or is she going to go back to her murderous ways? That is the very question. I got to see what happens in I Hate Fairyland 16. But go get them. It doesn't really matter if you read them in any particular order, although there is kind of a little bit of a linear sort of thing going on which I, I really enjoy, but you could just kind of pick up any of them and just have a gag, have a laugh, um, have a, oh my gosh, that's messed up moment. That is I Hate Fairyland. Go get it. And coming in at number six is our artist and cover artist winner this week, which is Heathen, issue number five from Vault Comics. And again, lovingly drawn, uh, written, and even cover art by Natasha Alterici. Or Alterici. Yeah, it's got to be Alterici, I think. I'm, I'm so sorry if that's wrong. And even even the... Uh, I, I think she stepped up her art here. It is normally very good. This, to me, for some reason, took it to that great level. I think she, um, she has been Artist Winner of the Week before. This has definitely been Pick of the Week before, so it's, it's fantastic. It has a little bit of a uh, release date that's not sort of consistent, but... You know, who cares? I know there's probably going to be a trade of this. This feels like this might be the the end of sort of an arc, and they collect it into these five. I could be wrong. It could be one through four. But anyway, Heathen is ultimately the story of our primary character, Adis, who is now sort of alone. She's trying to find uh, this. She's journeying to this elusive place known as Hemdal, which is, you know, in the, in the sort of Norse, the Thor uh, realm. It's this living gateway to the land of the gods, and to get there, she has to go through these treacherous waters of the Northern Sea, which have sort of very mischievous, very evil-looking mermaids. 
yeah, it's not uh, this ain't Little Mermaid, folks. It's kind of kind of frightening, but the watercoloring aspect of this, like I said, in these sweeping landscapes, is just something you want to chew on, something you want to live on, live in for a while. And she is this warrior. She she kissed a girl uh, and was banished for it, and now she's she's basically trying to save uh, Brynhild, who, who was trapped in this this ring of fire, <laughs> and she uh, is is kind of enamored by her, maybe in love with her, you're not really sure, but she sort of has her mission, her way, she is now separated from her talking horse, which I think the horse's name was Saga, if I remember, and they're separated, so this is very much kind of a, it's a little bit of this alone journey here, it's a little bit of this sort of quiet, she's trying to find her way, and she's trying to get a, like a, a boat uh, trip across the sea, but there's these crazy mermaids there. She doesn't want to go by herself. She's had no experience on the water, so she's asking for help. Um, she does have this interesting little altercation with Ruand, this shape-shifting person. That's uh, at the point of when they meet is uh, in the form of a fox. And so there's an interesting little... I love the dialogue between them. It's very snarky, very fun, and they are kind of buddies with a, sort of a checkered past, if you will. And the moment with the mermaids is the highlight for me. There, there's something you, I, you know, you go in expecting a certain thing with a, with a mermaid, and this sort of tweaked that. And 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 the uh, writing here, she made the mermaids a little different and kind of their own. They're like these water elves in a way. But I love the journey that she's on. I want to see what happens to Artis and is she going to save Brunhild? Like, what's going to happen? Will she find, you know, Hemdall? It's just this, it's swords and sorcery, uh, fun, and uh, you got to see it with, tied in with some beautiful watercoloring style art uh, from uh, Natasha Alterici. Beautiful stuff. Heathen, go get it immediately. And coming in at number five is from Image Comics, is Regression, issue number four. This is written by Colin Bunn, one of my favorite writers right now, doing, I uh, love his uh, work on Harrow County and gosh he's doing X-Men Blue and he's also doing uh, the Unsound he's doing all kinds of stuff mostly in the horror genre this is lovingly drawn by Danny Luckert who I've was it was I was lucky enough to interview him on a previous podcast you can go to the feed and listen to it Danny Luckert is an amazing artist hyper detailed and beautiful beautiful coloring inspiring coloring like I want to learn to, to color like this person Marie Enger and uh, you can see that uh, see them all. All of them are on their names. Just search their names on Instagram. And you can see their work. Of course, Cullen Bunn is doing everything. It's insane. But our main character, Adrian, here is dealing with a sort of demon that's ultimately kind of possessed him. Uh, regression is the title because his friend, I want to say her name is Molly, tried to help him in taking him to a hypnotist, hypnotist therapist to help him with these demons that he has within him and now he sort of has a literal demon within him and I love that she's still trying to help him but she also isn't just this naive friend that's just like a horror movie friend that's going to be easily killed quickly there's a scene where she fights Adrian and this is like maybe one of the it may be the best moment without the ending the ending's pretty awesome too but it's maybe my favorite moment where Molly who you think might just be a sweet naive woman that's just going to be destroyed by this man possessed by a demon. She fights back and does surprisingly well in a very brutally, just very realistically drawn, violent fight between two adult people. And there's blood, and man, it's just, uh, I, I the, this fight scene, It uh, I was just enthralled. I, I just enjoyed it at the same time from the very 
beautiful layout panels of how the action and violence is is easily portrayed and you can follow it with your eye very carefully because sometimes in, in heavy action scenes right you sort of forget what's going on or it's hard to see exactly what's happening or is that an arm a leg a wing it's Danny Luckert's art it's always so clear and crisp you know what is going on from when he pulls back and he's hyper detailed with with the pullbacks which a lot of our artists are not to the extreme close-ups just on an eyeball he is a, a, a just a professional and it's beautiful but that is uh, the gist without spoiling this sort of major ending in this but um, there you know she's going to Molly's going to try to get him some additional help that's the core here and I just love that she's really his good friend there's really no romantic involvement between the two of them they're just good friends and Molly really wants to help her friend that's having this mental disorder but is that going to ultimately bite her in the behind uh, you hope not so you end up kind of rooting for her and you end up rooting for Adrian because they did a good they did a good job Colin did of, of establishing this character great character development here just like Harrow County and everything else he does to where you are invested you feel because of all the emotions on Adrian's face and he's trying to be better and trying to, to battle this mental disorder slash demon possession it's uh, and, and again Danny Luckert's framework I've talked about this multiple times he frames his panels in all this sort of unique tapestry you have to see it it's uh, it's something beautiful but that is regression go and get it only on issue number four if I could pick a second place art winner and cover art winner, it's Danny Luckert. He's won it before, but I was like, I was torn between the two for a little bit. Um, but Natasha easily ended up winning, but definitely second place art and cover winner. The cover, his his covers and usually his last page are, are this amazing sort of very hyper detailed uh, mural. You have to see it. It's gorgeous. But coming in... At number four is from Image Comics again. This is uh, Southern Bastards, issue number 17. Man, it's been a while since we've seen Southern Bastards. Very inconsistent releases, but worth the wait. And this is from written by Jason Aaron, of course, who one of my favorite art, uh, writers of all time. And gritty, hyper, you know, interesting and unique looking art from Jason Latour. And this cover, I love this Burt Reynolds character who is this other coach of the lightning in this uh, rival town of our of the rebels the running rebels and coach boss but this in its core element here is coach boss's world is crumbling around him which is good i know that the way that jason aaron's written coach boss is you sort of i don't know you kind of like to he's a bad guy yes he's horrible and he's he, he murdered a man in the middle of the street but he builds this this character and and sort of this interesting character where you kind of care for him and you it's strange that the the horrible people in this you can end up kind of liking hats off to Jason Aaron in his writing but coach boss's world is about to change is changing dramatically and we have the tubs earl tubs who was like he was killed in like issue 5 or so his daughter has come back from the middle east and is slowly plotting her her revenge against Coach Boss. When Coach Boss kind of like, it seems almost like he's going to fall apart and be wiped out of existence without the daughter having to step in at all. I think it's going to be kind of like uh, Nightfall um, in the Batman Nightfall series. It's going to be Bane just kind of watching in the background, doing small things, waiting for Batman to have to fight and put back into prison every single Arkham villain that's escaped. Yeah, Nightfall. Sorry, going back. 
But it's kind of like this. Maybe the daughter is just laying back. She knows that Coach Boss's world's falling apart. And she's just waiting for him to be at his lowest point so she can maybe kill him in the middle of the street like her father was killed. Um, that's just my hope, I guess. But <laughs> who knows? Messed up things happen in this. It's an ultra-violent sort of Friday Night Lights meets Standing Tall meets uh, something right out of Jason Aaron's head that's strange and twisted. Uh, is set in the South. But yeah, Southern Bastards. Uh, Eisner winner, multiple award winner. Beautiful stuff uh, being being right now, I'm sure, developed for something. It's definitely, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just wonderful. It's, it's messed up. It's over-the-top violent. But you can definitely see this world easily in like a television series, um, um, maybe movies. I mean, who knows? But also something, um, so that's ultimately what happens in this. There are lead characters here that have fallen in line with Coach Boss before that are now standing against. So his world is crumbling, that's what this is all about, but one thing I gotta mention is to actually read the letters at the end here. There's a very personal letter uh, from Jason Aaron and Jason Latour about some loved ones that have passed in their lives recently. And how they dedicated this to them. I don't want to just spoil it and ruin it, I want you to be a little surprised, but uh, read the letter columns after this is over. It's, it gives me the chills as I just passed over and looked at the letters again. I was like, <gasps> chills? But it's a very personal story and a very, and just a, a glimpse into his life. And, you know, these are, he's a real person. These are real people with some real issues and life is happening to them. And it kind of explains why we've had to wait so long for issue 17. But, uh, when you start feeling mad about, um, man, it's been so long since I've seen Southern Bastards, we're on 17, and you read these letters and you go, oh, crap. Yeah, you know, they have to, they had life going on and needed to take care of things. But anyway, read them. It's it's loving, it's heartbreaking, and uh, worth the time to read the paragraph or two that's in the back there from Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. But go get Southern Bastards, folks. It's beautiful stuff. Um, I highly recommend it. But here we go now, breaking into the top three. Coming in at number three is Motor Girl, issue number eight from Abstract Studio. From the master, Terry Moore. Maybe one of the best cartoonists in the comic book biz today. But I have heard this is going to be unlike the rest of all of Terry Moore's uh, work. It's not a super opus, epic, long journey. I think this is going to be something like a 12 or 20 and it's done. Which... Um, Man, I, I so much enjoy living in this world. It's ultimately this um, ex-marine that lives out in the middle of the Nevada desert at a junkyard by herself. And she has the junkyard owner lady, Libby. This this sweet old lady that just protects her to the death. Um, our main character, Sam. And she has an imaginary gorilla friend, Mike, that is there. And they have been now seeing... And involved with aliens. And the aliens are a little... It's something you don't expect. It's not so serious because the alien is kind of this shape-shifting, kind of cute, smurf-looking alien. <laughs> so it adds this sort of cartooning effect. But you're dealing with some heavy-duty topics here. This is primarily the focus for me, the best part of it anyway, is the very deep, well-done flashbacks of Sam's tours, or tour, in the Middle East. And how horribly... It went wrong. I mean, yes, it's a very war is horrible kind of thing, and we've all seen that. But no, the way Terry Moore does the, like I said, the expressions, the gestures on the face, they're so lovingly detailed. And he really brings you into this world that is uh, a little all over the place. There is now this faction that is trying to get these aliens, and they've got a bunch of sort of hired mercenaries 
that are goofy, goofily drawn by these kind of Bluto, like Popeye character, Bluto villain. Look at Bluto. That's the mercs that are in this, and they're just they're, they just shoot anything and everything. I mean, there's these th three or four pages filled with nothing but bullet holes and and bullet casings flying in all directions. It's nuts and funny at the same time. I laughed out loud. But uh, the aliens hiding out here. This this faction is is hot on their trail. And Bick's got to find a place to hide, and you'll see what is happening with Bick in this. But if you if you like a, a sort of a, a mixture of different genres, if you like a you know a sort of PTSD real sort of feeling moments of war and how it affects this woman, and also aliens and its own. If you like ET, it kind of has that feel to it. This this weird group of people, government people, coming after Bick. And is the alien bad? I mean, he kind of looks bad in his primary form, but he mostly spends time, like I said, in this very small little kind of Smurf-like form. Not that small, but I don't know why that just comes into mind. It's kind of the visual, the way Bick is drawn, but it's uh, it's just um, a, a great character piece, as all of Terry Moore's work is. Beautiful cartooning, and it's uh, you know heartwarming realism and action-packed and fun, all wrapped up into one beautiful package that is Motor Girl. Go and get it. It's only on issue 8. He's pretty consistent with release dates. He usually does uh, put them together in volume collections, but um, get the floppies. It's just, it's great stuff. Motor Girl. I can't recommend it to you more. I always do. Every time it comes out, I know it's a top pick every time. And uh, it, the art style doesn't win, you know, artist pick of the week or cover pick of the week, but it's very consistent, very unique cartooning style that Terry Moore has that, that kind of no one out there is doing. It's, it's beautiful stuff. Get Motor Girl. And coming in number two is Invincible from Image Comics, issue number 139, Image and Skybound. It's the end of all things, part seven of 12. I can't believe this is coming to an absolute end. And this particular issue, oh, the buckets of blood. Oh my goodness. This is drawn, of course, by Ryan Otley, the master of blood himself, written by Robert Kirkman. Yes, Walking Dead writer Robert Kirkman. This has been one of my favorite of all times, superhero comics of all time, folks. Yes, compared to Batman, Superman, etc. Invincible. It's uh, it's strange when I think about how to rate Invincible. Like, is it rated R? Is it rated G? Is it rated PG? Or what is it? It it has moments where it's a it's very G feeling, and then kind of very R and violent and over the top. All the blood in this uh, issue is is yeah is is jaw-dropping it's like oh my gosh it is very much like kryptonians fighting each other here with the viltramites and this is an action-packed action-packed winner of the week hardly any dialogue we're right in the middle of this war and mark is fighting for his life the previous issue his dad had a just catastrophic injury which i don't want to describe you got to look at it mm, hint buckets of blood and he sees mark sees his dad you know, dispatched this way and is desperately trying to get to him, but there are Viltramite slash uh, hybrid locust creature, his siblings, if you will, because they're cousins. I know Thrag's related in some way, probably, but attacking him in all all angles, and he just can't get to his dad. And his his wife, his girlfriend Eve, has been told to stay on the sidelines, and then she does it. And you're like, no, the level of tension here is like. You're not sure of Eve's powers. At times, she seems to be Omega-leveled, and at other times, she, you know, seems she has difficulty blocking bullets. So it's like her, her power is not really solid and consistent. So 
you love their relationship, really, Mark and Eve. It's it's a it's one of those those very hardcore staple core elements of the comic that you love and you want to see every single month. And then she takes off, and it's like you know, Carl, stay in the car. Yeah, you know, she doesn't stay in the car. She's out in space to go help Mark's dad, Omni Man. And then the tension's just high because they see her coming. She's like this bright pink lantern, like a green lantern with a pink ring is kind of what she's like. And so everybody just sees that and then attacks her. And there's those those strange, uh, uh, those beasts that were on leashes go, ooh, there's something shiny and pink. I'm going after that. And they have these humongous teeth. They're like sharks in space. It's frightening. And you're, you're tense. You're nervous. You're like, no, Eve, please get back in the car. Uh, <laughs> she wasn't in a car, but... Um, you're like, uh, come on, go back there, Eve. She doesn't. Mark, at one point, seems like he's going to get his his eyes just gashed out. You're like, uh, is he going to be blind? You know it, things can happen here that will upset you because Robert Kirkman writes it. And yes, he kills main characters. So there's just this high level of tension, super duper fun action. And there's even sort of a change of heart. A character has a change of heart in this. Very surprising. You're going to want to see this good stuff. Just, uh, I can't... Uh, I just don't want it to end, but I do want it to end in a way because of the stakes and the tension. And man, I just can't wait to give this five years and reread everything, uh, all of it in an omnibus. But anyway, Invincible, go get it. Jump in kind of anywhere. Go back and get the trades. They're all collected. There's Omnibuy of it. Go get Invincible. Trust me, it's one of the best superhero stories ever made, ever. And... But the one that beat them, the one that beat them all, the here we go now, the issue that was the best of the best, the numero uno, the number one comic this week. Here it is. Ready? It is Silver Surfer from Marvel Comics, issue number 13, written by Dan Slott and art by Mike Allred and coloring by his wife, Laura Allred. And they have been on a historic run of Silver Surfer here. It has been something I just, I did not expect and have been so pleasantly surprised. And there have been, it's been high picks. It's, you look back on sunspotscomics.com, you'll see it. It's there. It's sprinkled in constantly in the top pick list. And their art style, very Jack Kirby, very flashback. Uh, you'll love it. So gorgeously, vibrantly rainbow-like colors all over the place. And very just space, space, space. Adventure, adventure, adventure. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> You're an idiot. You're an idiot. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I love the Grinch. Anyway, um, Silver Surfer here. Don Greenwood. They're traveling across the galaxy. There has been some things happening with Don Greenwood's family. The passing of her father, and she's had to deal with that. And how they dealt with that in the last issue was very unique and interesting in a galactic space adventure kind of way. But. They're traveling through the galaxy, trying to do good deeds together, and also on this very long galactic date. And their love has been growing, and they're this, this adorable, cute couple, again, that's the core element of this particular comic of Silver Surfer, is their relationship, and how can that actually work? But yet they just kind of always keep moving forward. They never stop, really, to smell the roses. When they go back to Earth, um, it just seems to weigh them down, and they, they can't wait to just you know, launch back into this galactic, you know, adventure. But this, uh, after the passing of, of Don's father, she asks Silver Surfer to 
he, she knows he has the power to go back in time. And so she asks him, look, I, I normally wouldn't ask this, but I would just love to say goodbye to my father. I never had the chance to. They were trying desperately to, to fly through the galaxy to make it back home. Um, when their, their sister was giving birth, her twin sister was giving birth to their baby. And at the same time, their, her father was very ill. So she never got a chance to see him. He passed while she was gone. And what she does in issue 12 to sort of, um, you know, express that, that pain and suffering, uh, her loss in a weird, strange galactic way is very cool in issue 12. Go check that out in Silver Surfer 12. But Silver Surfer can't deny Dawn. He loves her. And so he... He tells her though that time travel's tricky and twisted and strange, and he hopes all everything turns out okay. It doesn't. Um, <laughs> and they're in this sort of alternate universe or or a place that's away from time, or they've gone back. You don't really know where or when they are. They're in some other planet, in some other galaxy, and who knows? Maybe it's multi millennia ago, but. There's no way out of it at this point, and they have to just stay there and live their lives. So it's this this glimpse, this flash flow forward, this this time moving very rapidly in in their in their life together, in their relationship. So um, it at points gave me chills. It at points um, made me almost cry. It uh, doesn't happen very often with comics, but this this got me. This really did it, and of course. Michael Allred's art and how he lovingly draws the facial expressions of sadness and of wonder and of loss and of curiosity. Sell it because it's so Jack Kirby hyper realistic looking with his own style. I don't mean to say he's just a just copying, you know, the King Kirby. He's got his own look and feel and style. And uh, I love it. It just reminds me of iZombie that I used to really enjoy back in the day when the Allred family uh, were, were doing iZombie. But it's this crazy, wacky, cosmic romp, and they live their lives together alone in this other galaxy, and time goes by here, and I thought, okay, this would come to a, a an end, this would, they would, I'm trying not to spoil it, of course, go back to their lives, if you will, or go back to the regular galaxy, or go back to Earth. Um, that doesn't happen, and what does uh, deeply moved me, and I don't, that's all I want to tell you because it's phenomenal and it, just these colors will make your eyes happy it's just insane he uses every color in the rainbow here uh laura allred does beautiful colors by the way very inspiring but um yeah norn rad and, and don greenwood get to see glimpses of their past they get to spend their life together and it's just beautiful it's it's very much a showing the passage of time and and what happens in a loving relationship to these two people that stay together the entire time but uh just a, a just a I know I'm a romantic at heart and uh, if you have a, just a three percent of a romantic heart you're going to love this but uh, Silver Surfer easily the number one pick of the week yes it was the best of the best so there you go there you have it that's podcast 120 go ahead and lock the vault door awesome so those are my new comic book recommendations this week for new comic book day August 16th please uh, please, please, please support your local comic book shop. Find out where they are. Go to comiclocator.com and you can see where the local comic book shop is to where you are. Go to them immediately and buy this list. It's really, truly the best of the best. Tell them I sent you. Tell them Chris from Sunspots Comics sent you. And if you'd like to submit a question or you have a comment or maybe you just want your own personal comic book recommendation, just email me directly, chris at sunspotscomics.com. If I choose your email and I discuss it on a future podcast, I will mail you a comic book prize as a personal thank you from me. 
And check out our newsletter uh, and sign up there on sunspotscomics.com slash contact. And please tune in to issue number 121 of the podcast where I will be reading a list of, as I pull it up here, 19 new comic books that are coming out Wednesday, August 23rd, and three of them are new number ones. So I definitely hope they're good so I can check them out and tell you about them on issue number 121. And also, here's a quick little glimpse, just a sneak peek into some of the awesome comic books that are coming out next week that I'll potentially be discussing on podcast issue 121. Here they are. Uh, Aliens Dead Orbit, number four. Love that. This is in no particular order. Exo Man of War, number six. Renato Jones, season two, number three. Uh, Plastic, issue number five of five, The End. Looking forward to reading that and how that twisted little tale ends up. Plastic. Uh, Pestilence, number four. Frank Thierry, crushing it with zombies back in the uh, 1300s. Loving that. Mother Panic, number ten. Oh, Lady Killer, volume two, issue number five, is coming out, out next week. So just to name a few of the friggin' good stuff that's coming out next week. Ooh, Eleanor and the Egret, number four. Love that. Uh, from Chew writer John Lehman. So that's just a little sneak peek of stuff that's coming out, so I can't wait to read them and tell you all about the best of the best of that bunch. But it's going to be another amazing week of comic books, so please subscribe, listen in, tell a nerd friend to check out sunspotscomics.com. And thank you very much from the deep recesses of my very soul for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got some positive feel and good vibes from it. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to help us here, help me at sunspotscomics.com, just go to iTunes, give us a five-star review, hit us up with some positive word blurbs, and I'll read your, uh, your, your review on a future podcast and personally thank you again by mailing you out a little comic book fun prize. So thank you so much for tuning in. See you next week. And don't forget to love what you love, do what you love, and, and love what you do. <laughs> Stay nerdy, San Diego. And don't forget to be water, my friends. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.
looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow It's Sunspots Comics Town